<laughs> My name is Amy, and I'll be reading from 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 15 through 23. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with sound, with the sound of the horn. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed among all the people the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins to each one. Then all the people departed, each to his own house. And David returned to bless his household. But Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all of his house to appoint me as prince of Israel. The people of the Lord and I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes. By, but by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. <clears throat> Howard Brown, the pastor at Christ Central Church, and um, I've been quarantined for a couple of weeks. Um, oldest son uh, had COVID, and he's doing better. Um, none of us got it or uh, tested positive for it. And so I thank you for your prayers. Um, thank you for the meals. Thank you for the calls. Thank you for the texts. Thank you for all the messages, the Facebooks. Thank you so much. Um, God's good. Uh, God is good. Um, and so we are back into Samuel, Second Samuel, um, sixth chapter. And thank you to Pastor Josh, who stepped in. We have a preaching schedule, y'all, and uh, his name wasn't on the preaching schedule two weeks in a row past, but he stepped in and did it um, during quarantine, and I appreciate him, and uh, keeping this sermon series going. Radicalization, extremist, protesters, rioters, militia. Far right, far left, right? They've become common terms for us, especially over the last year. As a way to describe people and groups of people who have and are driven and impassioned in their beliefs, certain beliefs, and actions. So much so that it appears that they have gone too far, losing too much, believing too hard, being too extra, 
worship. Worship is the act, is the process, is the formality, the ceremony, the the heart, the drive someone has for life. Worship is the reason you, whether you know it or not, get up in the morning and keep living and going all day. It is being wide open and living wide open for something or someone or some purpose. Worship, y'all have heard me explain before, is another way of saying worth-ip, right? All my worth and everything I think is worth anything is, is wrapped up in and fueled by this one thing, this cause or person. Worship is something Everyone does, though not everyone worship the same person or thing or theory, right? It is safe to say we are all wide open to someone, to something, to, to some cause. But whether you worship the true God of the Bible, the one David worships here in this passage or not, the, this Bible passage teaches us a few things about what happens when we worship we first see that worship opens wide our souls. Secondly, we see worship opens wide our routine. And finally, worship opens wide our faith. You know what's hard about being wide open, all out there extra, what's hard about wide open, all out there extra acting folks? They force us. To either love them or hate them, right? They force us to have to make a choice to ignore them or give them attention, right? They force us to make a decision to be for them or against them. We are either enemies of their goals or advocates. Radicals make it hard. And they're impossible to be neutral. There is no other way to describe King David's behavior as the ark entered Jerusalem during inauguration week than wide open. He was on that kind of next level kind of happiness we believers call joy. He wasn't just putting his hands in the air and waving around like he just don't care. He went kind of, for those who are old enough to know, he, he went risky business on us. Dancing in his drawers, basically, but in public view, kind of New Orleans parade style with, as the Bible tells us, with a live marching band, black band loud. You know, with that in-tune bass distortion, this was, an, this was as ethnic as it gets ancient Asiatic style. Could you imagine this coming January, Biden in his bathrobe? Dancing down Pennsylvania Avenue in January, accompanied by the Howard University marching band. Now, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris would be right at home, right? But anyway, most of the folks were with it back then, right? And, and with David, most everybody except homeboy's wife, McCall. McCall, David's gift bride from King Saul for beating Goliath. 
His first wife that was taken from him and given to another man by Saul, and then who was brought back to David by force. Because his late campaign opponent, Saul's daughter. So for David to have won the throne of her late father and closed down the family lineage by marrying her and leaving no brothers or cousins who were capable of taking over, David's near naked shame, shame dance, was the closing scene of what has been a real game of thrones, right? And to see him dancing in the street dug into her, she must have been thinking, this fool beat out my dad? And he is the king? His wide open behavior opened up some things in her and made her extremely bothered. So much so that the Bible says that she met him in the yard when he came home. Now you know you're in trouble. If you drive up and you see a woman running out the front door, arms crossed meeting you and yelling at you all outside before you can even get in the house. That's a confrontation. That's a battle. She thought, well, if he can put all his stuff and my shame out in the street, I can be all out in the street too. That's how it goes, right? Worship. Whether routine or, or some radical adoration of something someone in some way or, 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 or it can cause dissonance. It can cause mental and emotional irritation because what and who and why we value in some way is being devalued by someone or something in some way, right? Or, or what and who we devalue is being valued or lifted up and lived out and expressed in some way that we don't like. And for Michal, that could have been her valuing her family's heritage above David's. Or, 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 or how she wasn't central and, and maybe she wanted to be the queen of the parade. Or maybe she valued pomp and style and fashion and doing it the traditional way. She was out of tune. She was in conflict with David's worship, his valuing uh, as he did. And these types of things happen all the time. I mean, just turn on the news. Confrontation overvaluing and devaluing of one thing or person over another, sometimes radical and other times simply upset at the way people are routinely going about their lives. But in this particular situation, with it being the Bible and all, this is about what the worship of God, seeing it, being around it, participating in it, experiencing it, living it out in our daily lives, what it does to us. Like with Michal, worship forces a confrontation. It forces an exposure of our souls to God's holiness. 
And what it does is that it exposes and it reveals and it opens wide our souls to either dance and groove with it or be in a front. And for many of us, especially as believers, worship sort of pulls us in and pushes us away. The gravity of God's holiness going and march before us like the ark in the story, followed by the reaction of its followers, whether formally or informally, it's like a magnet that attracts and repels for all the things in us. Because we come before the Lord, whether it's as the Bible says, every day as the trees and nature are declaring his glory, or if we are standing in a loud, physical, and ostentatious display of affection for the Lord, it is forcing our heart and causing a debate of the soul and mind. Because in worship, we discovered that we don't always value what the Lord does. And we don't always value who he is. And we devalue much of what he thinks and who he is in his glory. It is safe to say, in worship, in God being exalted, obeyed and followed, we are open wide and discover that we can feel and be like the affirming crowd in parade with King David while at the same time act and be like Michal. All in our feelings. Looking down and around at, at all this worship and, and kind of feeling that, that we're not really in. Right? But we're not really experiencing what, what other people are experiencing. We're not, we're not attracted in the same way. We don't have the same zeal. We, we, our hearts are not as soft as some folk in the same way. Right? And sometimes we can act and be like Michal, looking down and, and criticizing and protesting how God's celebrity presence, right? It disturbs and draws out our, our greatest fears and, and our jealousies and our opposing desires and even points out this is where you're empty. And we don't like that feeling. It's what makes sense. And it isn't strange to in a church service like we having right now. Or, or a community group or a Bible study. Or sometimes just being around someone who's in the streets and in their homes and on their jobs for the glory of God. That you and I Feel your heart and mind loving and longing while at the same time hating and feeling insecure. I feel it all the time. You know, in worship, sometimes I feel it. I'm like, I, don't, I ain't that happy. You know, my wife does an awesome job leading worship. You know, I'm like, ain't no way she can do it again today because I ain't feeling it. We just came from the same house. How is she doing it? Sometimes I'm like, man, this, this ain't, I ain't with it. I just can't wait till, you know, the other part, right? Sometimes we sit around, we see we raise our hand. We're like, man, please. But we sit there and we're, we're kind of feeling isolated. And I'm not trying to say that, that, that there's one uh, uh, expression of worship that is more holy in some ways than others, right? But, but at times we look around and we're, we're immediately critical. And if we get to the bottom of it, maybe there's something devalued or being valued in our heart that is opposed to the holiness of God in some way. In worship, God opens us up to receive and at times 
reject the blessing, right? You know, when you come to worship, God is handing out party gifts, y'all. Not, not the grab bags you got out there. That's great. That ain't gonna last too long, right? You could drop that in the street. It'd be all right, right? But I'm talking about the party gifts of God's grace, right? Party gifts, if you will, in your worship experience and exposure to people, when you're around that, he's offering that. So not only does worship, God's worship open up our soul. Worship opens up, opens wide our routine. Look with me at the uh, scripture again. Let's start at verse 17. No, let's start at verse 16. As the ark of the Lord came in the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. Right? And she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the covenant and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And listen what happens. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed among all the people and the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat and a cake of raisin to each one. Then all the people departed, each to his house. Now, one reason Michal is irritated. So David is doing the most, right? This is not routine behavior for a king going to take his throne at the time. Right? He, he, he is not in any royal vestments. This was not in any, you know, this was not about him and, and royal inauguration. Because those things should play up the king. Not humiliate and shame the king and the office of king. Right? In fact, this parade and his being stripped down said the Lord God is king. See the difference? David says, I will celebrate before the Lord when he talks to me, Carl. In other words, I'm going to hype him up. He is the celebrity and I'm going to act like a pure fan. And with that, I am simply before him, his servant. I am his. It is exactly as you see me call and say, baby, I'm putting him myself on level as the servant girls, right? You know, because she, she's upset saying, look, you've shamed yourself before these servant girls. In other words, you're putting yourself, your royal self on their level. You know, you should be in the royal vestments. You shouldn't be wearing the apron. And he's saying, no, before the Lord, that's exactly who I am. I'm putting myself on level as these Gentile servant girls. Before the Lord, whose promises and presence are reflected in the glory in the ark, he is saying the Lord, the worship of the Lord, it breaks routine thinking, routine culture, routine tradition, routine motives, but also routine living. But he gets there. 
And he said, that's the sacrifices. And he, you know, back then when they would do sacrifices, I don't know if you guys know this, but when they put the, the, the meat on the thing and the bread on the, on the grill or whatever, it would be an offering to the Lord that says that he's doing an a, 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 a offering for forgiveness and then an offering for peace, right? The burnt offering for forgiveness and then the peace offering. And that would, they'd put that on the grill. Of course, the good fat part would be burned off to the Lord. And what was left the people got to eat. The priest got to eat, right? This is backwards. Y'all see that? For a kingly inauguration? Do, do y'all see how backwards this is? I remember when um, Christ Central host uh, Cornell West, and he came and did a, a speech, and we were hosting it at the neighborhood theater at the, where we used to worship, and, and, and somebody in our church uh, set up this, this speech, we, I mean, this um, talk that he came to do, and I got to speak. It was an exciting time. And I remember Cornell West came in. Man, I was like, anything I can do for you, Dr. West? Right? I'm the pastor of the church. And I'm meeting him at the door. Hey, hey, you, you take my office, okay? Hey, 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 sir, you know, anything I can, I, I can do for you? I felt like the sun. You know what I'm saying? You know, in the black church, it's, re it's really funny. In, in, in Kelly and I, we passed, when we were in uh, Baltimore, uh, pastor in there um, is all black church, older, older members. And, and we got there and they were like, I was, it was after church. We had this food thing, this lunch thing happening. And I'm in the church talking, surprise, just talking to folk. And someone said, Pastor Brown, get to the food, like get to the, the fellowship hall. Why? We can't eat till you get there. What? No, we, we can't eat until you get your plate. Until I get my plate. Yeah, we got a plate made for you and First Lady Kelly. I'm like, oh, forgot about the black church. And I walked in. Our food won on no paper plate. Won on no styrofoam plate. They had the real plate. And folk were waiting and ready. And not only did we get go through, we, they didn't allow us to go through the line. They didn't allow us to even feed our own kids. Not, we got, I don't know, not kids. We didn't have no kids then, just one. We're going to take care of it. Don't y'all stand in line. We got it. Go sit down. We're going to bring your plate on the real plate. And then afterwards, we had like four or five cakes taken on. Pastor Brown, that, that other lady cake? Mm -mm. Try mine. And then another one, Pastor Brown, her cake, mm -mm. when you're done with hers, try this, right? Three cakes, right? I'm not dogging it. It's proper honor. It would have been offensive to the culture and shameful in the presence of visitors for the pastor and first lady to stand in a long line or not eat or not be served and honored in some visible way with the big pieces of chicken in the real China. With honored guests joining them at the big table. It happens. Do you know what happens here? David is cooking. Sure, he used a priest to help him, I'm sure. But he gets in the kitchen. The pastor gets in the kitchen. The president goes to the kitchen. Right? He, he gets in the kitchen and then he serves the people. This is radical and not routine. This king, the top leader in the kingdom, is acting unlike anything you would ever see. Doesn't have tribute brought to him. He brings tribute to the people. 
Men and women, it says, everybody. He gives it out, little raisin cakes, little this, little that, not to eat in front of him for a celebration for him. They said each person took it to their home. He put the foil on top of the plate, y'all. Doesn't. He, he, unlike what is normal, the people don't give gifts at him. To him, he gives gifts to them, not for a photo op, to go on Instagram or Twitter to gain favor. You know, how, how sometimes, you know, f- pop uh, famous people to go and they take the pictures, their hand in the food. No! He is saying, I am in, I, he, he is saying, God is serving you. And I am simply the errand boy. I'm the waiter, right? I, I am inclined by his holiness in and near me to serve you, to break routine as the other kings who demand to get love. God demands that I give you his love. And if Mikal represents a routine and traditional way of doing things, you understand how off this is. Look at their conversation. You know, imagine David coming home with some foil cover plates, from the church in that plastic food line bag for his family, right? They didn't come to the event, so he bringing some food home. And look what's happened in verse 20. And David returned to bless his household. But Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servant, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to me, call, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. And I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this. And I will be a base in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, my, by them I shall be held in honor. You notice something? David calls himself prince. In verse 21. That he's breaking routine right there. From the norm. And, 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 from the norm. And, and he's basically saying. I am a king. Who is a prince. To the real king. You know we, we had a little joke in our house. You know my, my, I'll come home. You know get there before daddy would get home. And he had. In our house daddy had that chair. It was his chair. That thing was broken. But it would lean just right for him, right? And, and he would get in that chair, the newspaper would be there, and I would go over there and get the sports, my, I'd try to get the sports section, and my mom said, no, don't get in your dad's chair and don't be home, don't be in that chair when he get home. I'm like, what is this, mama? I, come on. She says, your dad's the king. I said, I guess that makes me the prince. And she goes, no, ain't no princes in the house. But anyway, but, but, but you get the point. When, when God shows up, David says, I'm the prince. I'm the son. I'm the servant. Don't you know what a prince was? A prince was a royal representative to the king, doing the king's bidding. I am God's royal sales rep. I am not the boss with God in the room. Worship has opened, and in worship, David is wide open, and it makes him change and break from and redefine the routine and definition of what it means to be himself in his role in this world. 
Now, I alluded to this before. But when the Lord is valued and lifted up and worshipped, it transforms our insignificant and normal lives into those who, as the Bible says, are now the royal priesthood of the Lord. So, you know, what's normal? What's routine? Is you just worrying about yourself and just going to work every day, just to pay the bills every day, just have a house, just have this, just going through the routine. But what worship does, valuing God in everything you do, it transforms your life into one who offers the blessings of God to the world. As believers, if you're a believer, even if you're not a believer, this is what you need to know because God is to be worshipped in all things by everyone. Let me tell you something. All you do is never and should never be thought of as routine. It should never be thought of as a regular old routine. You are in a place and position to give and then receive as the people did from David, from the Lord. And here's the crazy thing. Not for your glory or for yourself, but for the world. That is what it means to be radical. To not be self-serving anymore. But on mission. To be in position and see your position. And, and hear me. Your relationships and your professions and your jobs. You're under and even unemployment. Your wealth, your privilege, your struggles, your story. Your family, your joy, your pain. As a means to receive and know the power, presence, and blessing of the Lord. To then take that to serve it and offer it to the hungry and hurting and spiritually disenfranchised and lonely world as you are free and freely receive it. Notice that, that what each person received from King David, they took to their own homes, which means their sphere and communities of need and influence were blessed by David's role. Believers are not fully worshiping. If it's only for two hours on Sunday. This is formal worship. Great. Good start. No cookie. No, you get a cookie. Grace cookie. Right. But like, I think we think that's it. If the blessing is all. And you know, sometimes we think if we're getting the blessing, that's it. That ain't worship. If blessing is all about getting yours, I'm going to get my blessing today. Right? Yes, true. Because God's king is seeking to bless you and meet you and feed your soul. That's true. But in breaking from normal American plain human routine, worship makes you servants and family with each other and with the world. It makes us neighbors to the world. And so for believers to be about personal kingdom and church and morality building and power broking it is normal and regular. Everybody's like that. And it's not necessarily affected by the glory leading influence of the Lord. It could point to valuing something else more than the Lord. I mean, think about it. American Christians, and I'm with you. I'm one of them. Our dignity, right, is more important. Our time, our money, our positions, our being in control, our peace. Because dealing with hurt people will leave you upset and stripped like David. And it makes you tired. We don't want to do that. But thinking about this, what, wouldn't it be a radical act of worship? And voting for the good of someone else more than your personal pet policy. Wow. Break from the routine, right? 
in the USA, we are the government, right? We the people in many ways. How is our worship politically going as far as making sure the blessings of God go out horizontally as much as they do vertically? Right? Because we think worship is only about, I'm right with God. Right? No. The second commandment is like unto it. That if you're worshiping the Lord, then you're caring for neighbor. Not in a way where you grab your, your, your privilege and your holy robes. But like David, when you strip them for the glory and good of somebody else. Will you step down on your privilege and place? That's worship. I remember year, some years back, gay pride, gay pride parade was going on. And there's a church that believes in a traditional definition of marriage and gender. It was worship to go to that parade. Not being paternalistic. And patronizing, wearing our, you know, Christ Central Church shirts. If you believe in Jesus, blah, blah. Didn't even, we didn't even know each other were out there. We don't wear the same shirt kind of stuff. We, don't, we didn't do that. We're not out there for ourselves. Because it was hot. And people were thirsty. And they needed some water. And so we said, well, how do we worship God? We don't go there just to do the little bait and switch. Hey, you know, here's some water with a little track on it. You know, something from Romans 1, you know, you, you live in reprobate lives. No! Worshiping God by giving people some, some of the blessing that we've experienced. Right? In, in honoring the dignity and common struggle and worth, and sexuality, dignity, and identity that we all struggle with and stand before a holy God with. And we bless them with the grace that God has given us, what was theirs in common grace. But guess what? Because we know it's kind of cool to talk about, you know, we, we with this group that we don't agree with. And especially, you know, coming from a denomination where it's kind of more evangelical Christians. You know, we marching with Black Lives Matter and all that kind of stuff. But I got a new one for y'all today. Will you do the same? For those who are marching, believing the election is being stolen. Mm -hmm. Why can't they get water? Mm -hmm. Because you disagree with that? Because you're holier? No, God alone is good. He alone is holy. Worship says, even those I see as my enemy in policy. God's grace calls me, calls me in my position as a neighbor, as a friend, whatever I can. I hand the blessings of God out unconditionally. And I look foolish doing it. Think how fool you're going to look. Howard, where you been? Well, you know, I heard that the, um, you know, the crew that thinks the election was stolen and all, they were that, so I just went out there to kind of make sure they were all right, got some water and stuff. You're crazy, man. You should be on Facebook talking about how bad they are. Shouldn't you? Wow. See, we, we do it both ways, right? That's just a little challenge right there, right? Worship is about God's celebrity and offering his love and blessed grace to all who come around. But what about the simplest thing? To the spiritually broken and struggling in faith, telling them your story. Not your goodness, but your story. Like David, strip down. 
right? I'm just a shepherd boy, stripped down, as he told me, call. God put me in this place, not me. So imagine what a testimony is. Worship is telling your testimony. I am a sinner. This way, this way, this way, this way, this way. I deserve to be left behind. This way, this way, this way, this way. I tried to destroy my life. This way, this way. I still try to walk away this way, this way. But God, clothe me with a dignity and righteousness that was not my own. Right? That's what witnessing is. It ain't walking necessarily with the big Bible. I know you ain't witnessing you're walking around with the big Bible at work. People don't even know the story. You're not dancing and leaping before the Lord. Not, we dance and leap before the Lord. As David says, when our stories are contemptible, unless the grace of God intervene. I'm preaching stuff I ain't even wrote. Sorry. But I'm guilty of being more Michal and staying away too. Worship the Lord puts us and turns, uh, 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 turns us, um, it should turn us closer to the hungry and the hurting. How can you be worshiping and call yourself a worshiper of God? And you stay distant from those who are more, who are opposed to your holiness or those, you know, opposed to those who don't have. How can that be? God says, let me march in the streets in an ark. <laughs> Follow me. So it makes sense why there is heightened emotion and behavior and hand raising and worship. Those who come before the Lord in formal valuing of him, formal like worship service, are giving and receiving at the same time. And it perplexes and bends the soul and mind, but even the body out of routine and voices and music sometimes are loud and sometimes insecurely soft and emotional. It's why tears fall and your mother and father, a friend that you came with church today became someone else in church. Oh, I used to be so embarrassed going to church with my mama. Because we would be there and the song would go, thank you, Jesus. She'd be making loud noise. And I'd be looking around my friends, please. I don't want them to look at me. Mama, please be quiet. Please. God's presence perplexes us, y'all. It takes us out of the routine. A routine that is a blessing result of faith that is wide open. Last point here. Let me start with Mikal here. Worship reveals and seals not our fate, but our faith, our belief. I don't want to rehash all the stuff we already discovered, but Mikal's faith, how she believed life worked and why, was all based on power and position and prowess. See, she was offended that David's power didn't demand the respect of the people and thus bring glory and power to the throne. She's not crazy because of this. She's simply normal. We all believe these things as regular, everyday, non-radicalized, routine people. Don't play yourself. We are all in and of ourselves, no better than we call, and would feel the same way if we were in her position. And even we believers have some we call fighting within ourselves. I don't want to be all radical. I don't want to be, uh-uh. I just want to enjoy the game, Right? Or, or enjoy my life. And, and I just want my neighbor's yard to look as good as mine. And I want mine to look as good as his. That's life, right? Mikal would not put herself and was not in a space to receive the gift of faith. 
The Bible tells us that she stayed inside. She looked out of the window. And then she only came out of the house to reject, not to receive. She stuck. What is she stuck in? Trying to save and secure, her, secure herself and her dignity and her worth her way. We're all stuck there. See, that was more than food David was bringing home. The Bible says it was blessing. See, it was a result of burnt offerings and peace offerings from the Lord. You see that? He was bringing home participation and God's saving grace. And get this, you know what he was bringing home? Relief and freedom from the fear, insecurity, guilt, and turmoil she was feeling. Right? So he was bringing her something. Now, I have to believe he knew his wife wasn't at that thing. But he was bringing home blessing. And if you look at what those offerings were, in that blessing was relief for all the struggle she had in her heart that day. Last verse says this, though. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. I know, I know. It is saying that that's it for all Saul's bad seed. But beyond that, she was closed off from life and relief. The same relief she desired as she sat up in that window. See, here's the radical thing. You think people who believe in God are radical. Think about people who choose to see God's glory and see his blessing and hear the truth of his word and still don't get it. I mean, think about it. Mikal, I know you're struggling, baby. I know it's hard. I know you're not. Your dad's gone. I know your brother died. Your brother's died. I know how you feel. You feel alienated. You feel like you might get left behind. You don't feel like you're, you know, she may feel like if, if you're one of them wives on some of these shows about the kings and all, the queen could die the next day, right? I know you're afraid, but what am I bringing you in the blessing? Forgiveness. Security. Belonging, healing for your brokenness. It's radical to see that and reject it. That's why rejecting a Lord's grace is a sure sign that you're worshiping something else. It's not that you're not worshiping. You are committed and routine and radical, confrontating, confronting. I mean, she's, she's an evangelist for her cause. The Bible says she left the house, right? You think the radical people out there, you know, sharing their faith, you know, uh, out on the streets, like Mr. Sam preaching, Jesus saves, you know, out there in the Bank of America Stadium. No, it's the people that see the grace of God every day and say, no, I don't want that confront it as it comes to them as a blessing of peace and forgiveness. You know what happens? As we participate in a radical routine of God's worship, whether formally or informally in work and play and activism, God's hands, y'all, and life are filled with blessings and open wide with grace, with gifts of faith and belief for you and me to take and receive. And unlike me called it, so that we can fall and bow before 
and collapse into his arms. Worship is not primarily about what we bring and give and do to honor God. Worship is more radical than that. Everything is worship is about what you give. If it's just transactional, that ain't real worship of God. It's regular to go with your money and pay the price tag for something that Target, ain't it? That's normal. Worship is more radical than that. It is about freely coming and receiving. Now get this, in debt to the one who's giving because you sinned to God and, 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 and receiving anyway how God wants to honor you, honor you in me, serve you in me so that then and only then we can have life so that we can, unlike me call, have a new beginning and a new life and an abundant life and a radical life in him. Worship is experiencing in a back and forth struggle and strain of God pulling and pouring in our lives the knowledge finally of his love and life for us into our souls. So I ask you, will you worship him? Will you join the, the root of the parade through this life, through your profession, through your relationships, through your desires and brokenness, right up to the front door and into your homes? God don't mind meeting you on your, on, in your yard, right? Will you value his offering and peace and forgiveness for your soul? It's only one way to get it. Stuck in sinful pride and broken human routine, we me calls and the me calls in us need one who will go for us to bring it to us to take our abuse and bring blessing to where we are living. Where we are living emotionally, spiritually. Here at Clemson, I was into working out. Y'all can't tell right now. But I was into working out. And I had a whole new group of friends, my workout buddies. And I had a daily routine of going to the gym. Right? We're going to lift. Dude, I think it was leg day or something. And one day I was walking with my workout partner to the gym. Let me add my white workout partner to the gym. It'll be important to the story. And I turned the corner to go to the workout place. And the square that I was, had to walk through to go to the gym was filled with black Clemson students. Dressed up in suits and draped with kente cloth. And in my workout clothes, with my very good, white, but good friend, I was face to face with my black brothers and sisters. It was MLK Day. And the Black Student Union had a march. My black friends, seems like they would just stand in a few stairs up, called out, Howie, where are you going, man? <laughs> I could have died. Where you at, man? It's like a scene out of a Spike Lee movie. What's wrong with you, brother? And they said this, man, go on and work out with your friends. We'll march for you, brother. We'll march for you. The degree of shame <laughs> still lives here. You know, sometimes I see those guys, I still see in their voices, we'll march for you. We'll march. So yes, in our routine, we forget and have forgotten the glory of God that is for our personal good. 
Worship can be shaming to us and it points out our flaws and where we don't march for him. And so on one hand, God sent Jesus to be our David. To march for those who don't march for what is good and valuable for themselves. But I don't want you to miss this. Because on the other hand, Jesus came to be unclothed. To appear in the wrong place with the wrong people. To turn that corner and take the shame for you. To march in before God's holiness, as David says in verse 22, taking on our contempt for us to work out salvation for you. And in doing so, like those in Jerusalem back then, you are free to come and go join in and be blessed by the radical march of God's glory. Where you and I can finally and fully receive and have brought to you, brought to you, in Christ, all the blessings and faith right up to the door of your heart, right up to your defenses, closed doors of our soul, a never-ending visit of God's Holy Spirit meeting us in the street over and over again. God in Christ on the cross. He hung wide and open. Naked, in his drawers, in shameful display, dripping and sweating down grace in his blood, sweat and tears. So that you can I, you and I can open our hands and our hearts wide open before the Lord in worship and receive the blessing of his grace. I don't know if you're in the window right now. I don't know if you're confronting God right to his face. But he's already got the blessings in hand that you couldn't get for yourself. Because you were too ashamed, too angry, too afraid you weren't good enough. He's come to bless you today. Will you worship him? Will you worship him? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're worshiping so many things. It has created a radical routine out of our lives that are not for your glory. We're trapped. Thank you for Jesus. Actually dancing before you, leaping before you, obeying you and all he did to be able to bring the blessings of God home to those who were alienated from worship. Lord, I pray for all of us, all of our Mikal and all of the Mikals in this room. We're all there. We despise what you're calling us to do in one way or the other. Lord, whether it's stuff we post, whether it's the way we judge people when we turn on the news, whether it's the way we hold back being loved, lo loving neighbors to those who are opposed or different than us because they wave in a different kind of flag. Help us, Lord, to wave the banner and live under the banner of your goodness and your grace in Christ Jesus. We ask that you would draw those who don't know you today out of the routine of sinful living and into the radical transformation of life in Christ Jesus. This we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.